Hello everyone and welcome to the November 30th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Folson, attorney with Floyd, Skarn and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation news. A WCAB panel decision clarified that housekeeping is medical care and a required benefit under the California Workers' Compensation Law. Here's what happened in the case of Reese versus All Saints Healthcare. Heather Reese sustained industrial injury in 2002 while employed by All Saints Healthcare to her lumbar spine, psychological, central nervous, and cardiovascular systems. Stipulations for a 100% permanent disability award were approved, including future medical care. In 2013, her PTP, Philip A. Sobal, M.D., requested authorization for home care to aid in food preparation, cooking and cleaning, laundry, sweeping, mopping, vacuuming, household chores, and grocery shopping due to the patient's permanent disability. The state fund adjuster denied the request for home care assistance but did not send the letter to Reese's attorney. After an expedited hearing, the work comp judge found that despite the fact that UR was untimely, Reese was not entitled to further medical treatment in the form of home health care services. In his opinion, he found that the list of household chores was not considered medical treatment based on the case of Bishop versus WCAB. With respect to the request for assistance with dressing and bathing, he found that Dr. Sobal had not provided a sufficient rationale. The WCAB reversed and rejected the view in the Bishop case and relied instead on the case of Smyers versus WCAB. In Smyers, the Court of Appeals stated that its holding extends coverage to recipients of housekeeping services when there is a demonstrated medical need. Thus, the WCAB held that the proper approach is to treat the question of housekeeping services as a factual question to be resolved in each case by lay and expert evidence. Thus, under Smyers, applicants' request for housekeeping services was not precluded. Further, the WCAB issued the en banc decision of Nerai Hernandez versus Geneva Staffing Incorporated Workforce Outsourcing concerning home health care back in 2014. In Hernandez, the WCAB makes clear that home health care services are included in the definitions of medical treatment. And the Court of Appeal ruled that the Prevet Doctrine precludes a tort claim for a claim of cell tower radiation injury. Here's what happened in the unpublished case of Anderson v. Glaus, Pyle, Schomer, Burns, and DeHaven, Incorporated. Glaus Pyle is in the telecommunications business. Part of its operations includes doing work for major cell companies by providing site audits on cell phone transmission equipment. Klaus Pyle subcontracted with ITC Service Group, which provided workers to conduct the site audits. Under this contract, employees of ITC traveled to the locations of the cell phone transmission sites being audited to conduct the site inspections. ITC assigned the plaintiff, 
Chris Anderson to the job of inspecting these sites. In 2009, Anderson was injured when conducting a field inspection of cell phone transmission equipment. Anderson's injury stemmed from exposure to radiofrequency radiation emitted from the cell tower. Anderson filed a workers' compensation claim against ITC Service Group, and he settled that claim. Then, in 2011, Anderson sued Klaus Pyle, alleging negligence and gross negligence in connection with his injuries. The theory of his case was that Klaus Pyle negligently maintained the site and was grossly negligent in failing to protect him from excess radiation. Klaus Pyle filed a motion for summary judgment, contending it did not owe Anderson a duty of care because employees of an independent contractor cannot sue the third party that hired the contractor to do the work. The trial court agreed with Klaus Pyle and granted summary judgment dismissing his case. In affirming the dismissal, the Court of Appeal relied on the Prevet Doctrine. Generally, when employees of independent contractors are injured in the workplace, they cannot sue the party that hired the contractor to do the work. By hiring an independent contractor, the hirer implicitly delegates to the contractor any tort law duty it owes to the contractor's employees to ensure the safety of the specific workplace that is the subject of the contract. And now our crime report. In a series of related cases, two orthopedic surgeons and others have been charged in healthcare fraud schemes that allegedly referred thousands of patients for spinal surgeries and generated nearly $600 million in billings over an eight year period. Two of the defendants have pleaded guilty, and three others have agreed to plead guilty in the coming weeks. The first, James L. Canino, 63 years old, of San Pedro, was the former CFO of Pacific Hospital in Long Beach, and he pleaded guilty on September 4th to a criminal information charging him with participating in a conspiracy that engaged in mail fraud, honest services fraud, money laundering, and other offenses. The case against Canino was unsealed a few days ago by U.S. District Judge Josephine L. Staten. The second defendant, 61-year-old Philip Sobal of Studio City, he's an orthopedic surgeon and he has agreed to plead guilty to conspiracy to commit mail fraud, honest services fraud, and violations of the Travel Act as well as separate substantive Travel Act violations. Another orthopedic surgeon, 55-year-old Mitchell Cohen of Irvine was charged with filing a false tax return, and 55-year-old Alan Ivar of Las Vegas, a chiropractor who formerly resided in San Juan Capistrano and owned several businesses based in Costa Mesa, was charged with one count of conspiracy to commit mail fraud, honest services fraud, money laundering, and violations of the Travel Act. In a plea agreement, Ivar admitted that for well over a decade, he had an agreement with the owner of the Pacific Hospital to refer patients in exchange for a monthly retainer. 
The schemes involved tens of millions of dollars in illegal kickbacks to dozens of doctors, chiropractors, and others. Thousands of patients were referred to the Pacific Hospital in Long Beach, where they underwent spinal surgeries that led to more than $580 million in bills during the last eight years of the scheme alone. Many of the fraudulent claims were paid by the California Workers' Compensation System and the federal government. And a second similar scheme that also involved spinal surgeries Doctors received illegal kickbacks for referrals to a Hawaiian gardens hospital. All five defendants have agreed to cooperate with the government's ongoing investigation dubbed Operation Spinal Cap, which involved dozens of surgeons, orthopedic specialists, chiropractors, marketers, and other medical professionals. Under the terms of the plea agreement, Dr. Sobal faces several uh, uh, federal prison term of up to 10 years. Caneno, Ivar, and Randall face up to five years in prison, and Cohen faces up to three years in prison on the tax charge. As part of the scheme, the conspirators typically paid a kickback of $15,000 for each lumbar fusion surgery and $10,000 for each cervical fusion surgery. Some of the patients lived hundreds of miles away from the Pacific Hospital and closer to other qualified medical facilities. The conspirators in the Pacific Hospital scheme concealed the kickbacks by entering into bogus contracts to provide a cover story for the doctors, chiropractors, and others who received illegal payments. The scheme resulted in several million dollars in losses to California insurers. The National Healthcare Anti-Fraud Association's annual training conference in San Diego became the destination for information about the anti-healthcare fraud efforts. Attendees were treated to an inside look at how law enforcement is fighting the scourge of healthcare fraud. Timothy Delaney, the Deputy Assistant Director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation's Criminal Investigative Division, said that healthcare fraud prison sentences have gotten increasingly longer. In addition, he said, the number of key Tom settlements and judgments has grown dramatically, from 43 in 1985, totaling around $2 billion, to 753 in 214, totaling around $3 trillion. The major healthcare fraud areas include mental health, durable medical equipment, labs, and pharmaceuticals, and he said there's no lack of creativity behind some of the fraud schemes. For instance, Delaney said one doctor billed for wave therapy, which turned out to involve the doctor walking through a room full of patients and waving to them. A presentation from the Office of the Inspector General laid out the scope of existing pharmaceutical drug fraud. On uh, One OIG special agent said that while the agency continues to have trouble with opiate drug fraud, non-controlled drug fraud is riding, rising rapidly. The agency is also concerned by the rise of high-dollar specialty drugs being approved by the FDA. Officials said the high-priced drugs are too much of a temptation for fraudsters. 
and the agency is keeping a close eye on the new hepatitis C drugs that have recently hit the market, such as Solvati and Harvoni. A workers' compensation hearing representative and an interpreter have been arrested for comp fraud. 37-year-old Ramon Humberto Otero of Aliando and 43-year-old Efren Herinda Ojeda of Corona were arrested on multiple felony counts of insurance fraud and grand theft. The duo allegedly conspired to seal a settlement check worth nearly $19,000 intended for a client who passed away before the settlement with the insurer was achieved. Otero, who is a hearing representative for the law offices of Ramon Otero Jr., negotiated this workers' compensation settlement for his client who passed away during these negotiations. Otero still proceeded with the negotiations despite his client's death and reported to the insurer that his client's address had changed. Suspecting, suspecting fraud, the State Compensation Insurance Fund referred the claim to the Department of Insurance for investigation. Detectives found evidence that Otero instructed the insurer to mail the settlement check to the residence of Efrain Heredia Ojeda, an interpreter and close associate of Otero. Ojeda allegedly forged the deceased's signature and deposited the money into his personal bank account. Both face a maximum five-year prison sentence if convicted on all counts. An Orange County couple was sentenced last week for owing nearly $2 million from a tax evasion and insurance fraud scheme. 61-year-old Rand Paul Gordon of Laguna Hills and 62-year-old Michelle Louise Gordon, of also of Laguna Hills, owned and operated moving and service companies under various other names. In 2006, Rand Gordon was insured by the state fund, but the policy was canceled in 2009 for failure to pay his premiums. When he renewed his policy, he made false and fraudulent statements by underreporting his payroll to the state fund, and he also failed to pay taxes to the EDD. He also instructed his workers to lie about claims. In 2008, he told one of his workers to lie about how an injury occurred during a work assignment while he was driving the worker to a hospital. In 2009, he dissuaded another worker from filing a worker's compensation claim for an injury with the intent of keeping his loss history at a minimum. Rand Gordon pleaded guilty last February to five felony counts of misrepresenting facts to the State Compensation Insurance Fund, one felony count of filing a false tax return, ten felony counts of willful failure to file or make fraudulent tax returns, two felony counts of making false statements, two felony counts of making false statements to discourage an injured worker from claiming benefits, 20 felony counts of failing to file a return with intent to evade tax, 20 more felony counts of willful failure to pay tax, and a sentencing enhancement for aggravated white-collar crime over $500,000. He was sentenced to one year and four months in state prison. 
He paid $385,000 in restitution, and the remaining $2 million became a civil judgment. His wife, Michelle Gordon, pleaded guilty to four felony counts of fraudulent tax returns and one felony count of filing a false tax return. She was sentenced to three years formal probation to pay a $5,000 fine and nearly a half million dollars in restitution. A high school security officer has been booked for comp fraud. 45-year-old Valentino H. Douglas of Rialto was arrested on multiple counts of felony insurance fraud after receiving more than $112,000 in workers' compensation benefits for a work injury that actually occurred a month earlier while he was playing softball. Douglas filed a claim in July 2013, two months after an altercation with a student claiming that he injured his shoulder during the incident while employed as a security officer at the Rialto High School. But an investigation revealed Douglas sought treatment a month earlier for the same shoulder injury, stating that it occurred while playing softball. Videotape evidence also showed Douglas exercising with a boot camp group with no apparent physical limitations. When questioned about his statements to physicians and his exercise activity, Douglas continued to misrepresent the facts of his alleged injury. This case is being prosecuted by the San Bernardino District Attorney's Office. And in regulatory news, the Department of Industrial Relations has posted California's 2014 Occupational Injury and Illness data with detailed information on employer-reported injuries involving days away from work. And the data shows that the incidence of occupational injuries remains at its lowest level in 13 years. DIR Director Christine Baker said that the lower work-related injury and illness rates reflect California's commitment to on-the-job health and safety. The survey of occupational injuries and illnesses data reflect a total of 460,000 reportable cases in 2014. 265,000 are cases that involve lost work time, job transfer, or restriction from duty cases, with over 140,000 of those cases involving days away from work. The incidence of non-fatal occupational injuries and illnesses in California remain at their lowest level in the past decade on all three of these categories. However, in lost time cases, Latino workers continue to experience the highest incidence of occupational injuries, comprising 59% of all reported days away from work. In construction, manufacturing, mining, and natural resources, three out of four workers injured on the job and losing workdays are Latino. In private industry, new hires and young workers have higher rates of injury. One of every four workers whose injury or illness at work involved days away from work in private industry had been on the job for less than a year. Teenagers from ages 16 to 19 suffered the highest incidence of days away from work compared to all other age groups. Sprains, strains, and tears are the largest injury category involving days away from work. 
Among private sector workers, the greatest number of injuries or illnesses requiring days away from work were caused by overexertion and bodily reaction, by contact with an object or piece of equipment, and by falls, trips, and slips. Tables and charts reflecting non-fatal occupational injuries and illnesses data for 2014 are available on the DWC website. The WCIRB has released its Senate Bill 863-2015 Cost Monitoring Evaluation. It is part of a multi-year cost monitoring plan developed by the WCIRB following the signing of SB 863 into law in 2012. The WCIRB estimates the impact of SB 863 is an annual net savings of $770 million, or 4.1% of total system costs, based upon its most current information. The medical care portions of the new law appear to be having the desired effect. SB 863's elimination of the duplicate payment for spinal surgical implants shows an overall $25,000 or 28% reduction in the average cost of these procedures since 2013. The changes to PD related to future earning capacity were estimated to eliminate any increases to PD for the Olgavy decision. However, Average allocated loss adjustment expense costs per claim have not declined and, in fact, have increased significantly, suggesting no savings from the elimination of Olgavy are emerging. Expedited hearings related to medical treatment disputes were expected to be substantially eliminated by the new IMR process. However, approximately 5,500 more expedited hearings have been held per year since the implementation of SB 863. The number of lien filings was projected to decrease by approximately 41% as a result of the SB 863 lien filing fee and the statute of limitations. Although filings in 2013 and 2014 decreased, by approximately 60% annually when compared to 2011 levels, the number of liens filed increased significantly in 2015 and are projected to be only 20% lower than the 2011 levels. However, some of the increase may be a result of temporary increases in lien filings due to the transition of the statute of limitations on filing liens from three years to 18 months for dates of service after July 1, 2013. As a result, at this time it is not clear whether the SB 863 lien provisions will produce savings more or less than originally projected. And in medical news, the FDA approved the first ever nasal spray emergency treatment for opioid overdose. The drug sold as Narcan comes as a nasal spray and should help first responders, police, and others deliver the antidote in an emergency situation. The drug is known generically as Naloxone. It reverses the effects of opioids 
drugs that include legal painkillers such as oxycodone and illegal narcotics such as heroin. Opioid overdose led to almost 24,000 deaths in the United States in 2013, a four-fold jump from 1999. A majority of these deaths occur in non-medical settings, which stresses the need for user-friendly treatments that can be administered without the help of a medical practitioner. Narcan is expected to have wide coverage under health insurance with affordable co-pays. And the nasal spray is cheaper and easier to use than injections. Group purchasers such as law enforcement and firefighters will be able to purchase the spray at a discounted price of $37.50 per device. That is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or your Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Skern, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.